I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is Sports Psychology Today. Every week I produce a show and interview someone about success and failure. I've been a sports psychologist in practice for 37 years in the Kansas City area. I've had the privilege to work with athletes at all levels of competition, from youth sports to the Olympic and professional level. On our show each week, I want to expose you to the successes and failures that so many people have had, how they've accomplished their goals, what it is they've done to reach the pinnacle of their sport. Today we're going to be very privileged to talk to a four-time Super Bowl champion. His name's Rocky Blyer. You all know him. He was injured in Vietnam, came back, made the Steelers again, and helped them win four Super Bowls. He has a tremendous story to share with us, and today we're going to be privileged to be talking to Rocky about his story and find out just what success and failure mean to him. And now I'm privileged to be talking to Rocky Blyer. We all know who he is, a four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a man who was injured in Vietnam, came back here and ended up playing, starting with the Steelers, going to four Super Bowls, overcoming an injury where he lost part of his foot. Uh, an incredible story, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have the chance to talk with him today. Rocky, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, Dr. Jacobs, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. You, you know, I, I remember uh, watching you play as, as a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan, being jealous that Pittsburgh kept going to the Super Bowl and, and still goes quite a bit. Um, you obviously overcame so much in your career. I'd, I'd really like to talk to you about how you did that because, you know, today in sports we, we hear so many different stories about athletes overcoming adversity, overcoming poor childhoods, bad childhoods, uh, controversies in their lives. You had to overcome a physical situation where you, you, you were in war, you got injured, and you came back. And yet you end up becoming one one of the greatest running backs in Pittsburgh Steeler history. And how did how did you do that? Well, you know, I think I mean let's anyway, I should set the record straight. Uh, although uh, it, it has been applied in the past um, as part of my injury, uh, is that I did not uh, lose part of my foot. Okay, so I had extreme damage to my foot, um, and uh, because of. I mean, just because of the impact of, of of what happens within your foot. Think if you talk to any uh, orthopedic doctor, you know, and he talks about all the the nerves and the, and, uh, and the bones and the small bones um, that uh, that is um, that makes up um, you, the foundation of what you do um, is you know, is a very complicated part of the body and very essential. Uh, to what we did as uh, playing football and as a running back. So, I, yeah, I had extreme damage, but um, uh, but I did not lose part of the foot. So, given that, that's you know that's one that's one uh, mental obstacle that I didn't necessarily have to come about losing part of the foot. Secondly, is that I you know I think this from an athlete's point of view, and this is only my my my, my simple. Uh, uh, thought process is that you learn you learn to be able to deal with injuries and not necessarily extreme injuries but we have injuries so there's a certain pattern you know whether you play in the backyard whether you play in the neighborhood whether it be organized sports um, you know you always have bruises and strains and uh, you know unfortunately you might have a you know a, a broken arm um, you might have a torn ligament uh, you might have to go through that operation, but as we play and grow up, you know, playing in the backyard, I mean, there's a there's a there's a certain aspect. 
you play, you got a bruise, okay. Uh, you wait till the bruise heals, and then you go back out and play again. Uh, so you play out in, in the yard, and you scrape your knees, or or uh, uh, you sprain uh, your, your wrist, or or whatever it might be. You know, you can't play for a while, then all of a sudden, what you're back out there again. So it's kind of a mindset from an athlete, uh, from an athlete's point of view of how things are approached. Okay, it becomes more difficult in that aspect of of losing a limb, let us just say, uh, if you lost a leg or part of a leg, if you lost an arm, how do you then compete thereafter? Well, I think, you know, it depends on you as the individual, what, what you want to get accomplished and so on. Also in this aspect is that you, what you learn is that, you know, you, 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 uh, you get hurt. Uh, there's a, so you get hurt, you got an operation, you go through rehab, <laughs> you know, you go back to training again, and then hopefully, you know, you, you, you try out um, for your sport or whatever you may want to do. And I think th- the biggest thing in my case is that, all right, I can only do what I can do to get this body back in shape. I can only go to the gym. I can only... Um, put the time in, do the rehab, um, do the running, you know, do the weight uh, uh, strength uh, conditioning. That's all I can do. I can't, I can't really focus on on what that outcome is going to be. Meaning, the choice of being able to make a team or not isn't in my hands. It's really in the hands of uh, those coaches, those coaches or ownership uh, that may or may not see it the way you see it. Um, and uh, so when I come back, I'm very fortunate to be with a team and an ownership um, that has individuals uh, and the care of individuals in their mind. So the, so the civil organization from way back when has always kind of taken care of their players or has a human interest in their players, and it's not necessarily always business or bottom line. Um, and especially during that period of time when uh, when I came back in the latter part of the 60s and the early part of the 70s to be able to uh, to play this game. So, one, uh, they're going to present you an opportunity to, to, to do something, okay? And then it's what you do with that opportunity. And when I came back, so if I'm, I'm when I'm in the service, you know, my whole focus was to be able to come back and play football. So I did what I needed to do, or I thought what I needed to do, and maybe overtrained or whatever it was. But um, every waking hour, I mean, I can remember I would get up at five o'clock in the morning. I would go and uh, run distance um, as I was starting to get this body in condition. Um, and every time that I'd go out and run, I was reminded because of the pain in my foot of what had taken place. But you push yourself through that, and not that I sent any records in running distance and or miles or so on. It's just the fact that you have to do it. And then I'd go, I'd go to work uh, in the military, and then I, after my, my, my work day, then I would go to the gym, um, and I would spend a couple hours go in the gym, starting lifting weights again, and then um, I would eat dinner, and then I'd come home, and I would try to run sprints in, <laughs> in the backyard of where I was living, um, and then go to bed because i got to get up at 4.30 in the morning again. And so you, you, you do that process. Okay, so 
what, not what, one. What mo- let me ask you this question. What yeah. what motivated you to do that? I mean, I'm listening to you, and I'm sitting here thinking, my God, you didn't have a – when did you sleep? And, you know, when, <laughs> where did you apply? Well, I think the motiva- – the, I mean, my motivation, my motivation was I wanted to get back to play professional football or at least attempt to. I mean, I had no other – focus in my life it wasn't as if i you know thought oh man you know i'd I'd really like to be a lawyer maybe i'll go back to law school or i'll go back to graduate school or uh you know i really want to go back and run my dad's bar you know that's what i really wanted to do no what i really wanted to do was to go back and try to play professional football why okay so my motivation factor is that there was an identity with that so there there was feedback so from an athlete's point of view getting recognized for contributions getting recognized for success um, being a part of a successful high school team and then going on to college and being a part of a successful college career Um, not because of me but because of leadership because of coaches because of individuals and you know you're part of um, a group or a team or an organization that becomes successful. So all of a sudden, you, you you know, you get recognized for that contribution. So I go to Notre Dame. I get a chance. I play on the national football uh, team in 1966. I, 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 I am voted as captain of the football team uh, uh, the following year. So, you know, those are, those are all, all, success stories that, that you build up. And so, and then, then I get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I go. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm a 16th round draft choice. I'm the 417th person picked uh, in the draft. <laughs> As I tell people, I said, well, there were 17 rounds, you know. I was not the last guy picked um, <laughs> until I possibly could make this team in Pittsburgh. And so you go and, you know, playing on a level as we did at the university, you know, then I, I, I compared myself and I thought, okay, you know, I can play on this level. Um, there was, there, there's nothing extraordinary about these people that are out here. It's just getting a chance or an opportunity to, you know, to be able to show what you could do. And so I, I make the team primarily on special teams my rookie year, uh, but that gives me, it just gives me an identity for me. It gives me an identity. It gives me uh, an experience. It gives me a part of, again, being on, uh, you know, a team at a, at a, at a higher level. Well, then the service comes in, in into play. But that, that driving force was still there, that idea of wanting to come back and being attached to a professional team. Um, and so it was, uh, so that became, that became, uh, that became the focal point to, to be able to overcome those other things, to be able to get up in the morning, to be able to go to the gym, to be able to do that. You know, you put all those things aside and here's a, another, another thing. And I think this becomes very crucial is that I didn't have any other outside responsibilities. Uh, which then becomes a factor. So I was not married. I did not have a family. I did not have to support uh, a family. I could be very quote selfish in my um, in, in my life. I could focus it on me during that period of time. And to some degree, that becomes I think uh, a, a, a crucial part because I'm not torn. Uh, of, of directions and or influence saying, geez, I have this responsibility, you know, and I need to be able to do this. So I really can't focus on me and I, you know, I need to do other things. So, so in my life specifically, it was, it was really narrow and, um, you know, I could do those things that, that were necessary. 
You know, as I'm listening to you talk, what I'm hearing is this internal drive and motivation that was there that nobody had to give you. You, it was just a natural type of thing. Was that was that something you grew up with from your from your family? Yeah, you know, it did. I mean, I I, I think it, you know, it did. Um, and you know, so what are those influential factors? You know, I don't know. I mean, my dad, my dad, we as I said, we 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 owned a bar. And we lived there at the bar, and we lived behind the bar, and then we lived above the bar, uh, and that became the focus. Um, and I guess it was always in my life of, of, of just, you know, wanting to be something a little bit better, wanting to, uh, you know, push, um, and, and, and not to the extent that it was detrimental, or you know, I think it was just for me, it was just kind of a natural thing. I wanted to be, I wanted to be recognized as. Uh, the best. I wanted to beat you. I wanted to be faster than you, you know, and I wanted to be maybe stronger than you. Uh, so those internal drives, um, you know, I can remember when I first got my, my um, first 110-pound barbell in, in, in workout, um, and, and, and I got a bench, and it was called, it was the Jimmy Taylor uh, York you know, package. And so, um, and Jimmy Taylor, of course, was a great fullback for the Green Bay Packers uh, during that, you know, period of time. And this is probably, yeah, right around 58, 59, or probably in the eighth grade. Um, and, you know, and that was, that was not anything that was, that was viewed as or part of any workout. It's just something that, you know, I thought, oh, okay, fine. I, you know, I needed to be, uh, you know, to be stronger, whatever it was, but that was that was my in- initiative and drive, and um, and so as uh, you know, as we competed, and, you know, and so, and I think the other thing too is that you know, I was just it, it, playing in the neighborhood, playing pickup games, and um, you know, you you had a sense of of, of, of competing, um, of you know, wanting to beat you know, one-on-one or play in the backyard or whatever it might be, of just kind of wanting to win. And I don't know where it came from, um, but it was, and my, and my father worked hard, my mother worked hard, um, but it wasn't as they were athletics or, or involved in that regards. It just became part of my DNA or who I was. You know, when we look, Rocky, at, at athletes today, um, it, it's so much different than it was when you played. You played on four Super Bowl t- championship teams, and you obviously understand what it takes to be at the top. Today, what I see so, from so many athletes, it, it, I hear excuses all the time, excuses about why this won't happen or why that can't happen or you know, always coming up with reasons. Do you find that, that it's easier today for people to blame others and not look in the mirror and, and, and understand themselves? Because you obviously had to do that to, to accomplish what you did. You looked in the mirror and challenged yourself every day. You didn't have to do that. Nobody's pushing you to do it other than yourself. Well, you know, and it, and I, and I think that. Well, okay, I'm going to say this because it, and I'm going back 40 years, um, and I don't think that it has changed any more than it did back then because people always had excuses, you know, of some nature or another, um, of why things didn't happen. And, and, and you can tell you can tell us more importantly of why that, that, that is part of our, our DNA or our makeup, you know, to some degree. Well, I, excuse um, me. I, I think fear, if I can interject, 
Yeah. Fear has a big piece of this. It's a huge part of the puzzle. And what I find today, and I want to find out from you, because obviously you overcame you. If you even had fear, you overcame it. But so many people today are afraid. They're afraid of screwing up. They're afraid of making mistakes. I just last year wrote a book called Just Let Them Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports with Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame reliever Jeff Montgomery and uh, Olympic swim coach who's in the USA Swimming Hall of Fame, uh, Pete Malone. Our third chapter in our book, Rocky, is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun because I don't think we teach kids today how to fail and understand what (laughs) failure and losing means. They're afraid of it. They're scared of it. I mean, get your thoughts on that. Well, I, you know, and, and let me tell you this, and, and I agree with you. Um, and uh, you know, I, okay, I'm a, I'm gonna, I'm sound, I'm sounding like an old guy, which I am. Okay, so let's go back. I'm going back to when I'm in uh, in the fourth grade. Okay, I'm going back to when I'm in, in grade school. So, my good friend Paul Schreider lived next door to me. His dad had a bar. And, you know, we, we grow up, we, we, we play in, um, uh, we play basketball in, in, together in his, in his backyard. We also have pickup games. Okay. So Paul gets on the phone. He calls Joey Bowers. Um, he calls, uh, uh, Puxy Reckner and he said, okay, fine. Let's go down and, 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 and let's play. Okay. Let's go and play baseball. All right. So you go down and we, we, a block from our house is Jones Park, you know, so we go and, and we play. We got maybe five, six guys. All right. Um, who's got the ball? Who's got the bat? How do we make up our teams? Um, okay. Who's going to play against two? Okay. Fine. We got, uh, four guys on one team, three guys in the other team. Okay. What are our rules? Okay. So now we have to decide what's out, who's got first, you know, is it pitchers out, uh, or is it, you know, and then you got to go through the process of picking those teams. Now, how do you do that? Well, you know, I mean, part of it is, okay, who's the best or, you know, who's what, if you got more kids, then it's, you know, who's going to be captain one team, another team. Okay, fine. And then there's always one guy. That's the last guy picked. There's always one guy. Uh, that maybe doesn't have the athletic ability of everybody else, and, and he's always complaining. He has to deal with that if he's going to be a part of this group. Um, and so I don't think, you know, I have to say thereafter, is that in our generation of organized sports, of, um, of uh, Pop Warner, of, of uh, Little League, uh, now it's organized. Now I have a coach. Now we have things set up. And I think we miss a whole generation of decision-making, of understanding you're not the best, of losing, of being the last one picked, but having to deal with failure in that regards, or not being asked at all to be able to play. Those are big things that ultimately you have to deal with as you go through life. And part of our society has made it too easy. I mean, now everybody's a winner. Now everybody gets a trophy. Now everybody's got a uniform. Uh, now everybody gets a chance to play, uh, and we don't necessarily keep score. Why? Because it's really not good, you know, to do so. And we want to, uh, we want everybody's esteem to be, you know, um, at a higher level. Okay. Well, that's not life, and so you don't learn those lessons early in life. Um, and then you, then when it doesn't work out. 
And it's easier to make excuses of why it didn't work out. You know, well, you know, I got hurt, so I didn't have an injury, or I wasn't with the right team, or or whatever it might be, rather than having to face yourself and say, okay, maybe I just wasn't good enough to be able to play on that level. Yeah, and I and I think that's where today, you know, the the whole idea of everybody gets a trophy. Well, I, I'm all in favor of the first year, your kindergarten, first grade, you play in a team fine you get some kind of reward at the end of the year that's fine but after that no then after that it should be what are you learning about yourself because the real lesson in sports is what you learn about yourself and that's right you know all those ribbons my younger son has boxes of ribbons and trophies he's got trophies all over all over my basement in his bedroom when he swam he swam until his senior year in college and you know they're just in a box they're not right. you know they're and he even said the other day dad i don't even know if i want them i said well, we'll keep them, Gregory. Why, why do you want to throw those away? There's no reason to get rid of those. But I think at the same time, you know, it, it sort of comes down to this. We have to learn how to fail. We have to learn how to lose. We have to learn how to mess up. But if you're scared of it, you don't get anything out of it. I think, like I said in our book, we talk about embracing it. It's okay. You, you're going to screw up in life. Things happen. Things happen to you, Rocky. You've overcome them. I mean, your story is a tremendous motivational story for anybody. And I think it's about how you learn to deal with those things and how you can make those applicable in your life that make you stronger and better. I have a philosophy in life. I like to look out the front windshield, not the rearview mirror. And, <laughs> That's right. You know, I mean, it's, it's, if you keep focusing on what's behind you, you're going to get in a crash. So, But you've got to, you, you have to be aware of what happened back there and what you learned from it. I mean, how do you feel about that? Now, I, I, well, I, 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 I totally agree with you. As I was, as you were talking, I was, you know, and I was thinking about, okay, my life, and I was thinking about, you know, opportunities and chances that you take. And, I, and I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a risk-taking kind of a guy. Um, and you know, and most of my stuff is, you know, life goes on, and it's pretty calculated of what I need to do. To be able to do this, um, and so um, you know, but there's always—I mean, there is a risk. And, and I'm gonna—it's like—it's like this. It's like um, speaking in front of a crowd, and we've all been put in that position at one time in our lives that you had to make a presentation, um, whether it be in school and stand up in front of your peers and talk about something, whether it be, uh, God forbid, an ad-lib uh, story that you had to talk about. Um, but we all had to do that somewhere in, in, in our educational process. Uh, and the fear of being able to do that in the sweaty palms in the, um, and, and trying to remember all became part of a learning process. Okay. Um, and, you know, and so <laughs> I think, I think about, you know, I, my, my career and the ability to go out and, and speak in front of groups of people, which I, I, I give presentations to, um, about success and about overcoming odds and in, 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 in much what we're talking about at this point in time. Um, and, and, and people say, well, well, how can you do that? You know, and it's always the uh, answer of ten thousand hours of 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 putting time in um, to to be able to do that. In the beginning, it, you know, you, you are nervous, uh, it, but 
the only way you do it is when somebody asks you to do it or makes you do it. So, and, and I have to, and I have to say this is that in my case specifically is that if I may bore you with this little story, uh, people say, well, how did you get into that business? Because it has, it has to deal with, you know, how we face our, our, our lives and overcoming obstacles and, and moving forward. And, um, and I said, well, Sister Mary Louise from St. Teresa's grade school called up Mr. Rooney, who is the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and said, uh, listen, he said, we have a sports banquet coming up. Do you think Mr. Bradshaw would come and speak? And he said, well, I know he does that, sister, and I will ask him, but I also know that he charges like $500 to do so. And there was a pregnant pause, and she said, oh, well, do you think maybe that nice Mr. Joe Green might come in and, and, and do this? And I said, I think he does that as well, but I also think he charges like $500. I and didn't, know, I didn't a, know Mean Joe Green was called Nice Mr. Green. <laughs> well, that was only by the good sister. <laughs> and so and so she said, okay, fine. She uh, Another pregnant pause. She said, well, do you have anybody for nothing? And he said, yeah, we can send you Blyer. And so, uh, and so all of a sudden, you know, you go because you're a nice guy. Mr. Rooney asked you to go and talk to the teacher. Now you got to write a little speech, you know. And so I said, I wrote a speech. Uh, and I read it perfectly because I didn't look up at the audience. I didn't do anything. Here it was written at this moment, moment in time. But all of a sudden, you know, it, it, you, <laughs> you were asked to do it again and again. Why? Because um, you were a good speaker only because of the circumstances. Circumstances were eh, you did it for nothing to, oh, you had a nice little story that you could talk about that people identified with. Um, and thirdly, as a team, you started to become successful, and so you got recognized for being part of that team, and you got a story to tell, and then all of a sudden you get more demands. So all of a sudden you're now doing every grade school in western Pennsylvania and or high school, and uh, uh, and all of a sudden you, you, you build up a – and this is not – too difficult to do, but it's like sports. You have to start somewhere, and you have to overcome that 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 mindset. That um, if, if this is what you want to do, and all of a sudden you start liking it, and all of a sudden you get some success in it, uh, um, but it's not always easy because you have to go and do um, those things. To I mean, that that you need to. There are and in, uh, in in the world of sports, and I and I will say this there are stories out there of very successful you know athletes who one had the athletic ability to be able to get to a level and the experience of coming out of high school and college and maybe on a professional level but who also you know who also work diligently at their profession and um, at their position, whether it be receiver or whether it be a point guard or whether it be a forward, um, and you hear those stories about great uh, athletes, they just don't become great athletes. Uh, they make themselves great athletes by constantly um, doing the things that are necessary so uh, and driving themselves to achieve that point. So let me ask you this question before we wrap things up. I want to ask you two definitions, which you've, in essence, sort of talked about, but I want to hear it sort of succinctly from you. Define, Rocky, what success is and define what failure is for you. Oh, you know, I, I, well, okay, fine. 
you know, um, success. Success for me is is following through. Success for me is just is following through on a uh, um, on a path that you have created. Okay, that 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 you have that you want to do, or that you think, okay, uh, I've been able to. To do this, so you know, you know, and 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 and, and trying something, um, you know, and, and I have to tell you this, okay, so it, and it all becomes part of, so it becomes, you know, playing in the in the world of football, you know, you get success, not you get success because you're on a successful team. You got other, you know, you got ten other guys that are on the offense, you got eleven other guys that are in defense that hopefully all have the same mental attitude that you do to want to achieve something. And so that was being a part of a group of guys. Okay, fine. So, and and, and you achieve something. Um, I, you know, I, I I got in the television business right after I got done from playing, and I worked for a local station here, uh, NBC, and it was a great training program. Why? Because I failed. Um, you know, I, I I enjoyed the experience. I learned a lot. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm not on national network now, so it didn't work out back then. But I learned so much about myself during that period of time. Um, even you know, even from a, a failure uh, of what you could or could not do, and maybe what you liked or didn't like. And so. But you can't be afraid not to try to do something, um, and and it all and it's those opportunities that you know, and I think probably success is facing the opportunities that that exist and and just having that courage to to go down that road and possibly failing as you're going down the road. But it always leads to something else um, or be a part of. So that I guess maybe part of my definition of my success or of a success is not be afraid to um, move down a, a path, uh, even if it may end up not turning out the way you want it to, but at least you made that decision to do so. And it opens up different pathways um, along the way and uh, and not being afraid to, 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 to do it. Um, and so that became, uh, and my most recent one, and I just have to, have to tell you, is that um, I do a one-man show. Um, and, uh, in, 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 in the theater. I mean, it was like, uh, we get staging, we get lights, we get, uh, 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 we get, um, <clears throat> a director, I get a producer, I, you know, and, and, and perform live 90 minutes, um, of a, of a show, hitting your spots, knowing your lines, and, uh, oh, talk about being afraid or scared but you know so you go well why did you do it well because somebody said hey that's a pretty good idea you know i'll do whatever i can to help you and sometimes you go that's all you need you know and you take the next step and you take the next step and you take the next step and ultimately it it, it morphs into you know um uh, performing on stage and and you go well how did that happen well, because somebody said, I think that might work, and you were willing to take the next step to move forward to see whether or not it would work, and and, and you continue on. I think failure, that's just to answer your question, failure is not, is failure is really not having a belief in yourself or 
um, or taking that next step. And I'm not saying it's a risk. It's just the fact that you take the next step and not necessarily um, uh, define yourself by saying no. Um, I won't do that. I mean, if you, you come to that point in your life where you where say, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Well, you know, I mean, most of the time it's like, okay, you've worked hard to be able to get there. There's an opportunity here. So you need to, you just need to take that step. Um, and uh, if you fail, you fail. But let, you took the step. Let me ask you one more question before we wrap things up here today. You, you played on four Super Bowl championship teams. Is that going to happen again? Is there going to be a team that's going to win four Super Bowls like you guys did? Well, okay, so it's a, and I think that I think that the, the, the process whether or not they'll win four Super Bowls, but it's in 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 um, that period of time. So we won four Super Bowls in six years. So that becomes you know somewhat difficult because of the compressed period of time. Um, you know, you'll take a you know look at let's just say the the the, the Patriots and where they are within you know, their level of success over the last two decades, you know. So ultimately, they're in a you know, great chance of being able to, you know, win six Super Bowls. Uh, and, uh, and and Brady might be that uh, first player to win or have six Super Bowl rings. Um, uh, and so that would be a lifetime of, uh, achievement. But the answer your question is this. It's going to be more difficult to, to be able to do it. Why? Because of free agency that has taken place, uh, because of uh, players' egos, and uh, uh, and their 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 chance of you know going uh, going to someone else's team because of money, and basically that's the drive of uh, who's going to pay me for you know for my talents here. So teams will break up and they won't have that consistency um, of, of players who have four rings. You know, there's probably 30-some players um, that have four rings. Um, 22 of them, and the the reason I said that, 22 of them played for the Steelers. Five played for the 49ers in the 80s, from 83 to 89, or 81 to 89. That that eight-year span, uh, only five existed there. Charles Haley's got... um, uh, five Super Bowl rings, along with uh, with uh, with uh, Brady, but um, so so that uh, whole idea of, of of being together as a team uh, doesn't exist anymore. Although I do have to say the Patriots have done a pretty good job of being able to mix and match uh, players and still play on a on a uh, highly uh, competitive level. So in itself, that would be a great. Uh, <laughs> A, a, a great study over a period of time and, and how that was accomplished. Well, it'll be interesting. And, and I'm sure you'll find some way of being able to find out about that. Yeah, when, when Brady and Belichick retire, it'll be interesting to see the story that they've had. <laughs> Rocky, it's been truly fascinating listening to you. You, you are so intelligent with what you're saying. You have, you have such an incredible perception about yourself and how you've accomplished your goals. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Oh, uh, the best way of getting Richard me is just, you can go to my website, just com. You can go to, uh, uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. 
and and contact me through the website at information uh, com. and um, I have a great assistant who follows up and all that good stuff and you know and, and as I do as well but that's it's probably the the best way of being able to do it. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a fascinating interview. Your story is just incredible to listen to. I, I could, we could be talking for hours on here with the information you're sharing. And I want to thank you so much for being with me today. And uh, good luck. And, and uh, I hope someday I can come hear you speak. I'm sure you truly are an inspiration to a lot of people here. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but 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 it's been it's been great. I've, I've had a wonderful time being able to do that and touch a lot of people. Hopefully, um, throughout the years. So anyway, but I appreciate that you giving me a call and allowing me to be on your podcast. And uh, I wish you as well, uh, Doctor, uh, much success. And because young athletes today and how we deal with ourselves in sports, uh, uh, it needs people like yourself to be able to talk through some issues that uh, I think become very important and lifelong uh, achievements. So thank you for all that you do. Well, Rocky, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Okay. I want to thank Rocky Blyer for joining us today. What a great story he has. And I'd encourage you to get a hold of him at his website, send him an email. I think the things that he shared with us today are things everybody needs to learn and think about with themselves. A great lesson. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Today. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at my website, which is winnersunlimited.com, or send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.